0: Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Schillens and Brad Forsythe.
1: Hey, thanks for being a part of The Advertising Show this weekend with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsythe. So happy you're here. Hope you're enjoying the season as well. We are uh, uh, bringing you some encore shows from time to time here on The Advertising Show, and this weekend is no exception. Brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. It's uh, Ray and Brad, and our special guest out of L.A. today is uh, Steve. Shohet, or we'll call him Stephen. I like Steve, but in order to entertain his customers, professional Hollywood tour guide, Steve Shohet uh, began to research and tell little vignettes about the stars, movies, directors, producers, etc. The anecdotes got such a positive response that Steve reasoned they could uh, get them uh, told in other mediums. His new book, Hollywood Stories, uh, short, entertaining anecdotes about the stars and legends of the movies, features over a thousand of such stories, and represents over 20 years of research. He's also the author and narrator of a couple of audiobooks, too, uh, to the, Tales of Hollywood and Fascinating Walt Disney. And uh, basically, uh, Tom Seca, a host of the radio show Celluloid Dreams on KSJS in San Jose, is called Stephen the best storyteller about Hollywood we have ever heard. That's a that's a nice setup and a very nice thing for uh, for Tim to say uh, for you as well. Steve, oh, w- yeah, it, it is good to
0: have you here, and welcome to the advertising show.
2: Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, just by way of clarification, are you still doing the tour, or when did you give that up?
2: Uh, no, I haven't given that up. Absolutely, I'm still doing it. And, and uh, you know, if people would like to go on a tour of Hollywood with, with me as the guide, they can go to the website, HollywoodStories.com. And it has the information about them.
0: So I would imagine over the years your tour route has uh, changed. Uh, who are some of the stars you're including today that weren't uh, part of, or let's just say not even on your radar five, six years ago?
2: Oh, you know, I, I talk about uh, current young people like like Chris Pine, for example, on on uh, Star Trek, and and I talk about the you know the, the Twilight stars and people like that. It's very interesting what's happening now in the movie business that that everybody is getting paid less, and that that movie stars are becoming less of a factor in the marketing of movies. I mean, when, when you take like like a movie like Inception. Um, that Leonardo DiCaprio was barely mentioned in the advertising. It was more Chris Nolan, the director of, uh, of The Dark Knight, wh- wh- was what they were trying to put, a- put across in the marketing. And, and, and that, of course, has led to a, depreci- uh, a, a depreciation of salaries and of course there's a lot of unhappy people about that you know in regards to that so so yeah I definitely try and keep up with with, with the younger stars uh um as well as keeping up with with the stars of the past. Uh, It is easier to find the type of anecdote that I like to tell, which is sort of a fun, uh, uh, lighthearted, you know, surprise-type story. Uh, That seems to be easier uh, when I talk about people like, say, Marlon Brando or John Wayne or Errol Flynn or somebody like that. They they seem to have a more colorful background than some of the stars today.
1: So you've been doing this for the the past uh, 20 years, uh, right? Or uh, 10 years, I guess, as a tour guide.
2: Quite a while, while you know getting material ready
1: how do you uh, how do you relate to uh, to some of the uh, some of the older stars that maybe uh, you know have been uh, legends back in the 50s the 60s or the 40s I mean uh, there's got to be a lot of interest uh, that surrounds them as well
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, people are still when when they go to the Chinese theater, for example, Marilyn Monroe is still the number one uh, handprint and footprint square that people take a picture of. And I, I'll tell you a little story about that. When, when Marilyn Monroe, when she got her handprints and footprints in 1953 to promote the movie Gentlemen Prefer Blondes uh for her it was a great honor not not every star likes to to go through the handprint and footprint ceremony they consider it a pain something they're just doing to publicize the movie but marilyn monroe had dreamed of it ever since she had been a little girl she used to go to the chinese theater all the time compare her hands and feet to that of her idols jean harlows and she was standing out there with her co-star jane russell and there was a big crowd you know and she's blowing kisses Having a great time, and she noticed something, and she said to Jane Russell, "Oh, look, Janie! Not everybody puts their hands and feet in the wet cement. You got Jimmy Durrani's nose, Monty Woolley's beard. You know, Janie, I think we should put in the body parts we're going to be most remembered <laughs> for." <laughs> and she actually held up the ceremony, and by that time, the owner, the original owner, manager of the theater, had died, Sid Grauman. Uh, and so it was owned by 20th Century Fox, who was making the movie *Gentlemen Prefer Blondes*. So she called over the Fox officials and said, "Listen, here's my idea. I think uh, Janie should lean her upper body into the wet cement, and I should sit in it." <laughs> and uh, the Chinese theater <laughs> officials did not appreciate it, and so they had to settle for their hands and feet. That's
1: so, funny, Brad. Uh, go, go ahead. A disappointed photographers. <laughs> I bet there were a lot of disappointed uh, participants there. Uh. Right.
2: Go absolutely. Ahead.
0: Yeah, Stephen. Let's go back to marketing for a second. Uh, years ago, the movie premiere, big star-studded event, was the way most media coverage uh, played out when a important film was launched. But we live in a different time today, with uh, you know, with the internet and digital connectivity, uh, the ability to get the word out about a film. As you touched on, uh, actors don't even. Uh, go out as much to promote a film these days. There's other channels to do that. Are movie premieres in particular still effective for creating movie buzz? I know they still do it.
2: Yeah, see that that's the whole thing. They don't know. Now, Now the funny thing is they didn't know back in, in the 30s. I mean, just for example, um, for an example, the Marx Brothers, they got their uh, uh, movie premiere and handprint and footprint ceremony in 1933 to, to for the to promote the movie Duck Soup. This was six years after the Chinese theater opened. And and, and when Paramount Studios said that, you know, they should do this thing Raucho Marx put up a tremendous fuss. He said, it's an absolute waste of time. You know, we work all day for you people under the hot lights, and then we have to go do this stupid handprint and footprint ceremony in the premiere. It doesn't sell one movie ticket, and, and uh, you know, a waste of a perfectly good evening. And And, and Paramount... You know they said, "Well, there's a depression on. We think you would do whatever you have to do to to sell the movie and Groucho had lost all his money in the nineteen uh uh twenty nine stock market crash. He was quite concerned, and he said, Well, I'll do it if you extend our contract another few years." And at that time, the studios had the upper hand over the stars. Paramount said, well, get, you know, do it, and then we'll see what happens. So the, the Marx brothers showed up. They, they were clowning around. Actually, Harpo Marx might have alienated some people with, with throwing, uh, by throwing wet cement at them on the, the night of the ceremony. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, duck, uh, despite their efforts, Duck Soup flopped, and Paramount fired them. And so a movie premiere and the handprints and the footprints, it doesn't mean that the movie's going to be a hit. And yet you jump all the way to to today, and people continue to do it. I mean, The Prince of Persia, earlier this year, Jerry Bruckenheimer got his handprints and footprints to promote that movie, and and they had the big premiere, and that wasn't really a hit. And so the thing is, they don't know. But... I think when you spend millions of dollars on a movie and you're nervous and, and, and you think um it, you know it probably costs about seventy thousand dollars to to have the handprint and footprint ceremony and have all the security and block off Hollywood Boulevard, and they think well we're going to get all that publicity um why not do it and, and and so you know even though marketing things don't always work. You know, in Hollywood, there are traditions, and pe- I mean Hollywood, the industry. People continue to do things. Now, 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 I think today one of the things that's really different about the past is comic book movies, and I think one of the reasons why why they want to make them is because you can go down the comic book conventions and have this, this built-in audience really excited about the movie before it comes out, and I think. What would really started that was George Lucas when he made Star Wars um, before Star Wars came out he used to go to science fiction and comic book conventions and he would just show that trailer uh, which said a long 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 time ago in a galaxy far 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 away and it just thrilled audiences and and, and of course when Star Wars came out, even the opening day back in nineteen seventy seven lines were around the block so so I, I think you know, getting in tune with that specific audience, the science fiction, comic book, fantasy audience, um, is, is something that, that most film executives would feel to be more productive than just having the premiere. But I think the premieres will continue because, really, when it comes to Hollywood, nobody knows what's going to work. And there are plenty of stories about that.
1: On the advertising show, it's Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth and out of uh, Los Angeles, Hollywood, I should say. It's uh, Steve Shohat, author of the book Hollywood Stories. Uh, HollywoodStories.com is the website. We've got more of a conversation. Sure. We'll continue that here in uh, just a moment on The Advertising Show. Thanks for listening.
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. It's a real thing. In the back of your mind, what you're hoping to find is a real
1: thing. It's Ray Shillings and it's Brad Forsyth from the Advertising thing. Show. Glad to be spending uh, an early day here in the brand new uh, 2011 here. Uh, Steve Showhead is our guest out of LA. Uh, and uh, creator of a book called Hollywood Stories It's available, We'll go to the website, hollywoodstories.com You'll find out uh, uh, more about that You actually go there and buy the book or, you know, uh, anywhere else as well uh, Steve, being a uh, tour guide in L.A. Collecting literally hundreds of vintage Hollywood stories To tell you uh, to appreciative sightseers Has now been turned into a book And uh, it's a great book as well Steve, welcome back to the show
0: uh, Thanks for having me Yeah, you know, it seems like, Steve, that there was a time not so long ago when we had a healthy admiration for celebrities. We respected their talents and accomplishments. And yet today, people seem to, I don't know, shall we just be kind and say they have a thirst for any and all information about celebrities? What are your thoughts on America's preoccupation with celebrities?
2: Well, I mean, gossip is something that that's changed over the years. It was a much more tightly controlled thing, uh, let's say, back in the golden age of Hollywood. Uh, I, I mean, I just I think, for example, like, like back in the 1930s, if, say, Winona Ryder would have been arrested for shoplifting, I think they would have been more successful covering something like that up, whereas, whereas today something like that gets out you know it, it, I, I, immediately on the police reports it get it gets out to to the uh media in a massive way um so so I think you know there's definitely more opportunities for people to hear about celebrities and it's going to be covered by the news um i i I don't know really if if there is the the same preoccupation there was with celebrities overall years ago. There is by segments of society, certainly. But, but you know, there, there are a lot of people who, who haven't seen a movie since The Sound of Music, you know, who, <laughs> who really resent the direction that Hollywood has gone in. I, I, I mean, back in the 60s, uh, you, you had the situation where a lot of people in Hollywood were getting jealous of, of, the, of the French New Wave films and they wanted to bypass the hollywood production code and make things racier and, and actually uh... You, you know when the movie who's afraid of virginia Woolf?" was made with richard burton and elizabeth taylor um, jack valenti who was in charge of the production code at the time got got into a heated argument with with uh jack warner at the time about the content of that movie and of course he decided uh, valenti that they would no longer have a, a production code instead they would have a rating system where where movies were labeled um, and that way basically the studios could put whatever they wanted into the movies as well as long as they were willing to risk uh, um, an R rating, or an hmm. X rating, or now an NC-17 rating, and now that's so, what
1: they're looking for, huh, Steve? <laughs> right,
2: right, right, and, and 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 you know the question is has that has that made the movies better has no. has it increased the budget of the movies i think overall a lot of people would say no i mean i mean i mean you look just for an example you look at um, the, a year that was considered to be really a counterculture year was the year that easy rider came out and that was considered a groundbreaking uh, movie and it it reached a lot of uh, flower children and 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 people like that but but uh actually the biggest hit movie of 1969 was the love bug you know a disney film so so you know i think that um i, I you know i i think that there's always going to be the market for um, family wholesome movies and i and i think um when you're making a product you you, you certainly want to be edgy um and 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 uh, you, you know, keep people interested. I, I don't think edgy is the right word. You certainly want to keep, you know, keep it interesting and sharp and 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 uh, you know, to the point and 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 let's say spicy. But I think you want to offend as you know as, as few people as possible. And and a way to do that is avoid gratuitous content.
1: Sure, that makes sense.
0: You know, what are uh, give us uh, a short take on what the strangest thing that's ever happened to one of your guests or you while you were on one of your tours.
2: <laughs> oh gosh, the Well, I'll tell you one story that happened. I don't know if it's the strangest, but, you know, I was loading up the the bus, and and, and, and it was at Rodeo Drive, and ex-baseball player Steve Garvey, who now has an interest in buying the Los Angeles Dodgers, came walking by. And so I recognized him, and I said, hey, Steve, and you know, big Dodger fan growing up. And he says, hey, and he is such a nice gentleman, uh, you know, comes over, you know, wants to meet everybody. I said, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Garvey of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the entire bus was from England and Germany. Not a single person knew who he was. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very awkward moment. And I, you know, I would say that was that was, that was was one of the, uh, you know, I don't know if that's strange, but that, that was one of the more interesting incidents. Well, cause I had a, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I had another time, you know. I had these. Uh, I was doing the tour, and I had uh, the. Oh, well. Let me let me tell you the strangest thing I've ever heard of. Um, this didn't happen to me. It was a gentleman on my tour. In fact, it's a story I opened uh, the book Hollywood Stories with. Um, this this gentleman came on my tour, and he told me a story that the day before he had taken his family up to Universal Studios, and they were going by where Alfred Hitchcock made the movie Psycho. So the tour guide was talking about the movie. All of a sudden, this man comes out from behind the Bates Motel with a wig and a dress and a knife, dressed up like Norman Bates in the movie. So the tour guide says, folks, I don't know who this is. And the people on the tram are chuckling nervously, but this guy looks like a maniac, and he's running towards the tram, yelling and screaming, and he raises the knife, and now the people on the tram are screaming, and he took off the wig, and it was Jim Carrey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: he, he, he was making the movie the man on the moon and he had a little downtime and decided just to dress up and scare everybody half to death and, and the really nice thing about the story is that afterwards he took pictures and signed autographs
1: yeah luckily he didn't get shot either uh-
0: <laughs> you know that, that, ray, ray that is so odd that he described that because it's exactly the same way you're dressed today without the knife
1: Exactly. Yeah, I, I I do have a knife. It's a butter knife, but, uh, you know, it's a what, good-looking wig, do? by the way. Thank you very much. Uh, Steve Shohet, our uh, special guest out of Hollywood, L.A. area, is uh, uh, the author of a book called Hollywood Stories, and uh, we'll continue our conversation here on the Advertising Show with Steve and Rain Brad in just a minute. We know you'll stick around, right? Good. Back on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Out of L.A. and Hollywood, it is Stephen Shohet, author of the book Hollywood Stories. A cool book, a great concept. Steve, it's a great uh, pleasure to have you here on The Advertising Show, and let us be the first to say, and literally the
0: first to say, Happy New Year.
2: Oh, Thank you. Happy New Year to you guys. <laughs> Go ahead, Brad.
0: You know, uh, let's talk a little bit about the non-celebrity, the celebrity that's recognized for doing absolutely nothing. Paris Hilton comes to mind, the Kardashians, these types of, of individuals. Now, you got to hand it to them. They've been able to parlay their elevated celebrity status into some kind of profitable endeavor businesses and sometimes just getting paid to show up to things. But all in all, they became celebrities for no particular talent. Your thoughts on this group of people?
2: Well, I'll tell you, I, I actually really uh, got to, to, to have a nice encounter with Zsa Zsa Gabor. And I'm actually a fan of hers, you know, just because she was so nice to the people on my tour. Uh,
1: I think you uh, need to find an encounter there, Steve. Yeah,
2: go ahead. Uh, but, well, I mean, but, well,
0: but, but hold on a second. Zsa Zsa Gabor was an actor, uh, had actually some kind of talent and was known for that talent.
2: That that's right. She was, she did become famous for her acting in Hungary. So so I guess uh, you know I guess it's not quite the same. Although Paris Hilton called herself an actress and was in a couple of movies, but I don't think she's done well enough uh, to, to convince people that she's not you know at best a novelty and at worst uh, I hate to say but a joke. You know, when 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 she's acting in films, and and I think you, you I think, won't be taking
0: your tour bus by her home anytime soon. Of course, you'd be saying, which home do you want me to take her by?
2: Well, you know, I I, 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 mean, you know, I always thought she she seemed like a nice person to me. I mean, I've heard different stories. Uh, I, I could, t- I could tell you that my friend is a, a fashion photographer, and he did a modeling session with with Paris Hilton, or she modeled for him, I should say. And he said she was very nice and gracious to everybody. Now he also said that there was a male model in the room, and the male model said, um, or Paris Hilton said to the male model, "Hi, where are you from?" And Paris Hilton and the model said, I'm from Wisconsin. And Paris Hilton gave him the blank, uncomprehending look she sometimes gets. And she said, uh, he said, Wisconsin, you know, where they make the cheese. And another blank, uncomprehending look. And Paris Hilton's publicist came to the rescue and said, ah, come on, Paris, you know Wisconsin. It's in France. <laughs> and Paris spoke into a big smile and said, oh, really? I love France. Hey, you know, like that. <laughs> Uh, uh, but, and, you know, uh, let,
0: let me let me inter- let me interrupt for a second. You know, uh, there's no doubt Paris Hilton's a wonderful person, and she knows how to be polite. She was brought up uh, in a very wealthy environment, so she knows that she has the social tools. Uh, same thing with uh, you know uh, the daughter of uh, famous singer uh, Lionel Richie, and then of course as Nicole, I mentioned, yeah, right, yeah, yes, and then the Kardashians. Their father was a wealthy attorney and comes from a wealthy environment. I think, you know, back up 20, 30 years, there were no such people as what we find today. Is it a byproduct of the world we live in, this this, uh, preoccupation with celebrity to where a person that is not even really a celebrity can become a celebrity?
2: Yeah, and I think the reality TV shows um, have had a lot to do with it. Uh, um you know it's, it's just one of those things i mean i mean you know you you get to go into people's lives and 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 with these reality TV shows or at least what appears to be their lives, and, and and it just is something that's caught on now now the fact of the matter is that that you know it, there are precursors to this in a way i mean i mean you know people really thought that jack benny and george burns for example were just like the characters they played on tv and uh, they actually showed their real homes on tv um, and, and people would go you know, and, and drive by and knock on the door, and, and Jack Betty and George Burns would would actually occasionally invite them in. You know, and and, and they or or they were instructed uh, their their maids were instructed to give autograph pictures or, or once in a while serve lemonade. So so you know you, you had elements of this. You, you also, I'll tell you something that happened in Hollywood's past. What was that? Errol Flynn in 1942 was arrested for statutory rape. And he thought his career was over, and he, he uh, was acquitted. And it turned out that the public liked him more than ever, that his movies became bigger than ever. And so <laughs> the studios they, they, and the publicists, they started to say, maybe we don't have to make the stars uh, uh, into perfect god- gods and goddesses. You know, maybe we can show uh, another side to them. And so you started to have movies where, where you had Betty Davis in the movie The Star, where she played this this actress who wins the Academy Award but goes home alone at night. You had Bing Crosby play a kind of a, a drunken, abusive husband in, in, in the movie The Country Girl. You had Lana Turner in the movie Imitation of Life, where she played this, this actress who who cared more about her career than her daughter. In other words, movies that that sort of reflected what the public perceived the star to be in real life, whether or not it was totally true. And, and so I, I think, you know, the the reality shows in a way are, are you know, kind of an extension of that, although, although you're, you're right, the reality shows, a lot of them usually don't involve, uh, some of them don't involve actors, some of them involve these, these people who have become personalities like Lauren Conrad on the TV show The Hills. I also think the public might be getting tired of them. Uh, David Hasselhoff's reality show canceled after two episodes.
1: So, Steve, as as the book relates to the tours and the anecdotes and such, uh, give us the, uh, the 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 worst stop, the, the the stop that people don't go to anymore on the Hollywood tours. Uh, what is that? Since we knew the uh, best,
2: well, people, people thank God it's... If- stopped asking me about O.J. Simpson's house. So you know, I, I'm, I'm really happy. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't particularly like to, to cover that so much. So that you know, that that's a good thing. But but one of the stories I, I, I have in the book though is is you know with James Cameron he made the movie um, uh, when he was pitching the movie The Terminator uh, he got Orion Pictures. To agree to do the movie, and they had some casting suggestions he really didn't like, and and one of them was that that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger should play the good guy Reese, and so <laughs> James Cameron was like Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's so wooden, I you know I can't I, I you know I can't work with him, and so he came up with this plan, he would go to lunch with Arnold and insult him, and he would end the working relationship. So they went to lunch, and Cameron's thinking I can't insult him, he's too nice. And look at those arms. He'd break me like a twig. And I didn't bring any money, and he's going to have to pay for the lunch. <laughs> and so they ended up having this great conversation. And Cameron left the lunch thinking, you know, I, I I can't see him as the good guy, but I could see Arnold as the Terminator. It sure is better than the other stupid suggestion the studio made. I mean, who can imagine O.J. Simpson as a killer? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, right, exactly. Oh, that's great. That's good. And, and, and uh, the rest of the story is, well, you know the rest of the story, don't you? I've right. Steve- never had lunch with O.J. Simpson, by the way. Okay, good. Uh, just, just to clarify that, if it comes up in court, I like that. Uh, Stephen Shohat is our special guest. And, Steve, it's been a pleasure having you here. We suggest you go get the book called Hollywood Stories. You can go to hollywoodstories.com and uh, check it out. There's some uh, preview pages in there as well for you, too. But, Steve, uh, thanks for writing a great
2: book. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me on.
1: The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is powered by a really cool platform called Tendency. It's made uh, for us by Schipul, that's S-C-H-I-P-U-L, the web folks here in our home market of Houston, and it is great. Check it out. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L. We always say Thanks to Ed and his crew for doing such a great job for The Advertising Show. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production, and we will talk to you again soon. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.